we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Well, good morning. Um, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm uh, Danny, and I am delighted that we've gathered here for worship, whether you're right here in this room or whether you are watching this online in your living room. I'm glad we have the privilege of worshiping with one another. We're called as followers of Jesus to worship with one another. If you're new with us today, uh, let me thank you personally uh, for joining us for worship as well. And we would love to know that you are with us. So if you would just honor us by going to fbcsa.org connect, that's just a simple way um, that you can let us know that you're here with us and just provide us a little information about who you are. And we also want to commit to making contact with you a little down the road. Um, but we're so delighted that you're worshiping with us uh, today. So we are in our seventh week in Philippians, and we find ourselves in another well-known verse. I mean, how many verses up to this point um, do we really know that well out of Philippians that are just famous verses? Many of them you probably have already memorized. To live is Christ and to die is gain. We've heard that and now we come to this one among many, many others. So we are in Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 13. Last week and even the week before, Paul has been really encouraging the Philippians to live as citizens of heaven, to live very differently in a very dark and broken culture, especially when they were facing opposition or hostility because they were followers of Jesus. And then he gave the example of Jesus, that extraordinary humility, though even though he was God, a very God, didn't hold on to his rights as God, but became a man, became a slave to all. And then furthermore, he died on the cross for our sin. Uh, Jesus says, I want you to live like that in the world in which you live, towards one another and especially towards those who don't know me. Uh, live sacrificially so that you can put uh, me on display, shine um, before others. And now we are in these next two verses. Uh, Paul's going to continue to encourage them. He is this pastor coach. He's coming alongside them and saying, you can do this. You can live as citizens of heaven. You, you can finish well. And so in these two verses, in verse 12 and 13, um, Paul weaves what I see uh, three main motivators, perspectives that will help us continue to live as citizens of heaven. Um, and he's going to use a new analogy to get us there. So let's read this with one another. If you would just stand with me, we're going to read verses 12 and 13. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You may be seated. Father, Lord, we pray that you just bless your word as we receive it today. Help us to see and to hear. Give us understanding. 
and help us to go to work. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. So Paul is really trying to encourage them, empower them, champion their life and living in, in Philippi. Um, and he says, you know, you have always done so well in following the instructions I've given you. You've been so faithful. And he says, it's even more important now. It's even more important now as I'm away. I long to be with you, but I'm in prison. I can't be with you. And so while I'm away, it's even more important that you obey the instructions that I give you. And so what are the instructions that Paul gives them? He says, I want you to work out your salvation. In this way, he says it in the New Living Translation, he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. The first motivator for us or perspective that Paul wants us to have relates to work. What kind of work? I think we can have a really good idea of of what Paul is talking about. Um, When we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 through 31, I'm just going to paraphrase it. You remember uh, when God fashioned man and woman in his image, and he blessed them, and he said, now go, be fruitful, and multiply, have dominion over all the earth. You see, from the very beginning, we were created to do good work, to have purposeful work that yields purposeful fruit. And so Paul isn't introducing something new or something that's um, arduous in the sense that, gosh, I really don't want to do work. No, from the very beginning, we were created for good work. We are wired for good work, particularly good work that yields wonderful fruit. And that works the work of obedience. That's what Paul is referencing here. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do the work of listening and obeying God as followers of Jesus and sons and daughters. And the reality is, you know, what makes our purposeful work so hard isn't work itself, but our own sin, right? If you remember the curse of Genesis, it was sin and the curse of sin that made work so hard. But from the very beginning... Good fruit has always been tied to good work. Always. Fruitfulness has always been tied to good work. So as you know, I've mentioned before that my family started a a garden uh, during this pandemic. We've always wanted to do it, and it was like the perfect opportunity. We had two raised beds, and um, I I left them on my sink um, counter there, but I, I was planning on bringing some jalapenos from my garden. I mean, if you're going to grow anything in, 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 uh, in San Antonio, you need to grow some jalapenos. Am I right? Right? So I have several jalapenos, and just imagine them. I'm, they're right here in my hands. They're beautiful jalapenos. But when we set out as a family to garden, our garden beds, raised beds, were just overgrown with weeds. Some of it was just really high. You can't, like, mow it or anything. And Well, I guess you could weed eat it, but I'm not going to do that. Just kidding. Um, So it was just overgrown. So the whole family had to get out. We had to pull all the weeds. We had to get out all the rocks that were in the soil. And then we had to till the soil and even add soil. 
some really fertile soil so that we could prepare it to lay the seeds. And we laid squash, watermelon, bell peppers, jalapenos, okra, uh, tomatoes, some herbs, and we kind of laid it out all where we wanted to um, plant them. And over time, with watering them every day, um, we grew some jalapenos among some other fruit. But Good work has always been a part of God's design, that He made us in His image to get our hands dirty so that we could reflect His image because God works, right? And He bears fruit in creation. And so good work has always been a part of purposeful, good fruit in our life. Listen, I want to be fruitful in my life. And I hope you want to be fruitful as well. But we have to remember that the Christian life is not a hobby, is it? It's not a hobby. And that's what Paul is saying, is that you were made for good work, so get to work. You were made to be fruitful, so be fruitful. Be fruitful. That's what Paul is saying. We must go to work because... We were created in the image of God to flourish in our work, created for good work. But that's not the only motivator. The next one is right following it, work out your salvation, or in the NLT, um, show the results of your salvation by bearing fruit. And um, so this whole motivator of working out your salvation, a particular kind of work, And so not only were we created for purposeful work, but we were redeemed for purposeful work, right? And when we see this little phrase, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, we have to be reminded is that it's not that we're working for our salvation, Um, we we are working out our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 it says this. In fact, we just read verses, or saw verses 7 through 9 on the screen. But verse 10 says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. In our redemption, in our salvation, we are working out the good that God has planned for us long ago. Those, that verse is actually pointing back to Genesis. From the very beginning, he planned for us to do good work that bears wonderful, purposeful fruit, glorifying God. Um, this is a good reminder for us that in our salvation, we are headed somewhere, that we were never intended to stay in our sin. You remember when God found you, when he has found us, he found us Broken and sinful, right? Um, We were enemies of God, and He rescued us and He redeemed us, but He didn't redeem us so that we'd stay in that place. He didn't redeem us so that we would continue to stay in our sin, but He intended for us to bear good fruit. Romans chapter 8 says, listen, I predestined that you would be conformed to the image of of the Son, As we are redeemed, we are saved so that we can take on more and more the attributes of Jesus Christ in our life. And so Paul is saying, you weren't just created for good work, you're redeemed for good work. 
You were redeemed to head somewhere, uh, to become someone new, to, uh, to bear good deeds in your life, to do good work. You were saved to finish extraordinarily well, to be all in, to press on, to produce all kinds of fruit, mostly Christ-likeness and kingdom growth. But we have a million and one reasons to give up or change course, don't we? We have a million and one reasons to give up and change course. Jesus says, I have set a trajectory for you. You were created for it, and I've redeemed you back to it. And you have got to head that direction. You have got to work hard with a purpose. You've got to look more and more like me. You've got to bear those kinds of fruit, the fruits of the Spirit in your life. But there are so many things that want to rob us from that trajectory. There are so many things that are always trying to pull our attention away and give us new directives. Pursue this, pursue this, pursue this. And that's why Paul is saying, I get that. Even in the face of opposition and hostility, I get it that it's, it can seem easier or it can be distracting as you get pulled into other directions. Will you choose to focus on Jesus and work hard to work out your salvation? In this little garden that we have, we planted, we've got it prepared and we planted for the specific goal of producing jalapenos and tomatoes, and squash. We did not plant a garden in those raised beds so that we could have more weeds, or have more rocks, or for it just to revert back to what it was. And so Paul, in the same way, is saying, remember, don't go back there. You're headed this direction. And work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Set your hands to it, your mind to it. Peter will say in 1 Peter, um, be a sober mind, take action, right? Later on, Paul's going to say, press on towards the, the goal in Christ Jesus. That's what he's saying. I want you to press on towards the goal. You are saved for a goal to become more and more like Christ. The next motivator that we see in this text, he says, work out your salvation with fear or trembling, or he says it like this in the New Living Translation. Uh, he says in verse, there we go, finding it on the page, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. One of those things that motivates us as believers is having a proper and true perspective of who God is. And that's what Paul means by fear and reverence. So not only have we been created for purposeful work to yield purposeful fruit, and not only have we been redeemed for purposeful work and purposeful fruit, um, but according to these verses, we will also be held accountable for purposeful work and purposeful fruit. Paul is saying, listen, you need to have the right perspective about this Christian life and this work that you've been given. 
that your ultimate authority and allegiance belongs to the creator of the universe, your redeemer. And he holds everything in his hands. There's, Paul wants you to know that there's nothing trivial or small about this God in whom we serve. He is deserving of our respect and our loyalty and our ears and our mouths and our action and our work. We should work to listen and to obey God with fear and trembling. Now, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Some of you likely have. Anyone been to the Grand Canyon? You know, have any, has anyone been to that sky bridge? You know, the bridge that it's like this really giant platform that, that juts out over the edge of the Grand Canyon and, you, you, and it has a glass bottom and you just look over a mile straight down. Have you all seen pictures of that? No one has seen pictures of that? Of one or two people. Well, anyway, this is real, folks. Someone thought it was a great idea to build a platform that juts out of the Grand Canyon to where you can literally look straight down for over a mile. And not to mention, you can put tens of people on here, right? Uh, that, that's just scary. I have a little fear of heights. Not crazy, but a little fear of heights. But I'm just imagining myself, if I were to step out on that platform in a heartbeat, I would be keenly aware of everything that was going on, right? And I would be looking down and I would be stepping very slowly. Reality would just come to a very clear focus for me. And as I would move around, I would do it like this. Anyone with me with that? Would that be your reaction? Yeah, I don't even know if I could step out there. But that's the kind of fear and reverence that Paul is talking about. That your reality changes so much that everything pales in comparison. That you're laser focused in on this new reality, this new perspective. In this case is that God is. And He's our Redeemer. And we owe every ounce of our being to Him. And we should obey every single word out of His mouth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul describes his ministry like this. He says, We understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord to work hard to persuade others. One of the things that kept Paul moving forward was knowing that his father who had redeemed him and called him through Jesus was holding him accountable with the expectation that you're going to do the work that I've asked you to do and I expect it from you. A fearful responsibility to the Lord and that's what this text means for us is that we work hard because we were made to work hard. You were made to flourish in good work, to yield good fruit. You were redeemed not to stay in place in your sin, but to work hard, to work out your salvation so that you can become more and more like Jesus. And Paul now is saying, and you work hard because God expects you to work hard and he's going to hold you accountable in your hard work. And then verse 13. Verse 13. 
Do we have that on the screen by chance? There we go. Verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Um, these two verses are some of the most potent verses that we have in the New Testament that are put next to each other. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. And we really wrestle with these verses, right? Paul's commission and command is, I want you to work hard. And then he follows up with verse 13, and, and really it's God working in you according to His will and good pleasure. It's, we're working and God is at work. And, and we can really get stumped by this passage because we can really ask the question, so who's working more? Whose responsibility is it more? Is it mine or is it, is it God's? Is it God doing everything? Can I just, can I just encourage you that um, when Paul wrote these verses to the Philippian church, he, he did it not so that we would be caught up in the hand-wringing of trying to understand the mysterious sovereignty of God at work in our life, that we would get bent out of shape with, gosh, am I just a robot and God doing all this, and then why do I have to work? That's not why Paul wrote this. Um, the sovereignty of God and the beauty in that mystery is well worth our energy to try to figure out, right? And, and right now we see through glass darkly. Uh, we're not going to understand fully how all of that works until Jesus comes back. But again, that's not why Paul wrote these words. Paul simply wrote these words to the Philippian church to tell them, you are not alone. You're not alone. You, you're not going at this hard work on your own. Uh, in fact, the God of everything is at work in you according to His will and His good pleasure. You're not alone. They were intended to rejoice in these verses, to be encouraged by these words, not to be bothered by them. And we should be encouraged as well. That this is good news. The reality is, wherever we go in Scripture, we're, it's never implied or commanded that we're supposed to sit idly and wait for some mystical experience that somehow would change us. That in a moment, because of some ethereal interaction and mysterious interaction with God or through the Holy Spirit, that all of a sudden we would take on new properties and bear different fruit. It was never intended that way. In fact, throughout Scripture, what we see over and over again is don't stand still, go to work. Go to work. Go to work. We see it all over the Scripture. You remember when uh, God uh, spoke with Moses and even later with Joshua, He would say, Listen, I have brought these people to myself. He says, I want them to love me. I want them to obey me. I want them to follow me. And when they go to war, who will win their battles? I will. He says, when I send you to war, when you go to work, I will fight for you. I will win your battles. The message has been there the whole time. When Jesus called the first disciples, what did he say? He said, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. Come follow me 
It wasn't stay where you are and, and wait for some mystical experience. Jesus said, no, no, you come with your two feet, you follow me and watch what I'll do. I, I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. John 15, 5. Couldn't be any more clear than this. Jesus said to disciples, listen, um, I want you to know that I'm the vine. And if you want to bear lots of fruit, if you want to bear lots of fruit, you have to abide in me. In fact, he'll say, listen, apart from me, you can't do anything. Abide in me and I will bear much fruit, is what Jesus said. It's what Paul meant when he wrote, you know what? I plant and, and Apollos waters, but God causes the growth. God causes the growth. God gives the desire. God works out his purpose in you. The author of Hebrews said it this way, set your eyes on Jesus. Go to work. Set your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. So the question in these last few words in chapter 13, the question isn't, well, is it God doing more work or is it me doing work? Is God just doing everything and just robotically changing me and doing all this stuff? That's not the question here. The question for us is, do we believe God? Do we believe Jesus when he says, if you abide in me, you're going to bear lots of fruit? If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If you work hard, if you work out your salvation in fear and trembling, it is I at work in you, according to my will and good purpose. Do we believe him? Do we believe him? I said this earlier, but let me remind you again. The kind of life that Paul is talking about here is not just something we tag on, is it? Uh, it's not a hobby. It's not a detour. Paul is saying, Philippian church, First Baptist church, work out your salvation. Go to work and trust God and believe God that he is at work in you to fulfill his purpose all along the way. Will we go to work? Will we believe him in the process? Quickly, the past several weeks, um, we've had to change up our lawn care provider. I know some of you do your own lawn. That's awesome. Um, but we've been in between lawn care folks, and we posted on our neighborhood uh, Facebook page, hey, we're looking for someone to do our lawn. Do you know anyone? Well, family across the street said, yeah, actually, um, our, our son would love to do that work. And I'm like, that's really cool. I, I, I would love to be able to bless um, a young man as he's learning how to work, learning how to mow the lawn and stuff. So I said, absolutely. Can you do it every two weeks? And we set up a schedule and stuff. Well, day one, um, Dane, who's our neighbor, he shows up. He's a young man, 12 or 13, and he's not alone. His dad's with him. And so uh, he and his dad come to the front door, and I meet Mike, and I meet Dane, and Mike's like, Dane's going to mow your lawn, and I'm, I'm going to be here with him. 
And I'm like, that's really cool. Thank you, Dane. Um, and so for the next hour or so, I just kind of peek out the window from time to time to see how things are going, right? And um, it's clear that Dane is learning how to mow the lawn. Um, he is learning, and his father is teaching him along the way. And there are some instances during that hour, as I would watch from time to time, um, you know, the father would say, hey, be sure to do this, make sure this is how you do it, and he'd show him. And other times, dad was just doing the work. And, and I don't know why he chose to do that, but I would see the dad out on the, the lawn mowing while Dane was just kind of watching him what he was doing. And when they wrapped up, they came back to the door and, um, you know, Dane said, hey, I finished, I finished the good work, I finished the lawn, and um, do you want to take a look at it to see if it's okay? And I said, you know, I kind of watched you along the way, I'm, I'm very pleased with that, and then they went home. But here's the thing, I think that's a lot like what Paul is talking about here. I think that's what Paul is talking about here. Um, we have been given good work to do. We were made for good work. We were redeemed for good work. But that doesn't mean we're on our own. What that means is, is that the Father in all of His beauty and sovereignty and goodness is also at work in us. And sometimes He's doing all of it, uh, right? But we are both, uh, we are called to do good work and God in His grace and mercy is also doing good work and He's working out His will in our life and bearing fruit in our life for His good purpose. Will you go to work? Will your Christian life be more than just a hobby? Will you believe God and work hard and watch what He can do in your life? Let's pray. Father, thank You um, for these words from the Apostle Paul that encourage us to work out our salvation, to, sh to show the results of our salvation. Um, and so, Father, Lord, I pray that we receive that word, that we believe these words, and that we would go to work, that we would find ourselves listening to your voice in your word, that we would seek to become better husbands and friends and wives and sons and daughters, that we'd work hard towards humility and grace towards one another and unity, that we would help one another. Lord, that we'd become more like your son. Help us to go to work like that and help us to trust that as we abide in that good work in your son, that he will bear much fruit in us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.